I want to take you a look in the Bible today for just a moment. Today is our first day of our missions conference. And uh, I, I just believe that we need to know what the Lord wants us to do while we're here. And so today I thought I'd just preach to you out of the book of Mark, chapter number 15, if that would be all right. I mean, chapter 16. And uh, I, I just thought I'd uh, preach on this thought. What is Joshua Baptist Church mission statement? Why are we here? Why do we exist? Sometimes we get the wrong idea that it's a, a social club where we meet together to play dominoes or eat banana pudding and fried chicken. I was reminded of a fellow the other day, a preacher, and I love him dearly, but he said that he liked going to Baptist fellowships, eating a chicken and a half, throwing his coat a mile and a half, and preaching for an hour and a half. So I just wonder, in your mind, why are we here? Why does Joshua Baptist Church exist? We need to really know. And I thought today I'd talk to you about our mission statement. A mission statement defines a company and its purpose in 30 seconds. A good mission statement is clear memorable and concise when I was in the cemetery there was a sign on the front of the pulpit stand up speak up and shut up <laughs> I got the first two I'm still working on that last one A mission statement is one sentence describing the reason an organization or program exists. One sentence describing why or the reason an organization or program exists. An example, if you please, just three. The Humane Society mission statement is celebrating animals confronting cruelty. That's why they exist. The Smithsonian's the increase and diffusion of knowledge. That's their mission statement. The Wounded Warriors Project to honor and empower wounded warriors. To empower and to honor wounded warriors. If someone do ask you today, what is your church's mission statement? What would you say? Don't answer now. Well, I'm not even sure I know. But I think I've found a good one. Matthew, I mean Mark 16 and verse number 14. And the Bible says, And afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. After what? After his resurrection. The same morning of the resurrection. And he abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they had seen him after he was risen. 
And he saith unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye into the fellowship hall and break out your dominoes. Go ye and have all your social get-togethers down at the gymnasium or in the play yard. I think that's pretty plain, don't you? First he says, go ye. Do you know a ye? Are you a ye? Go ye. Into how much of the world? I can't do that by myself. And feed the hungry, care for the poor, clothe the naked, and feed the dogs, and pet the cats. That's not what it says. It says, go ye into all the world and preach. Have you done any preaching this week? Some of you wives said yes, and he's almost ready to convert. (laughs) Right? Uh, Go ye. If you know a ye, he's talking to ye. Go ye. Well, I'll just support the church and everybody else can do my preaching. You're going to be awful embarrassed when we get to heaven. If my daddy had have come home and found as many chores undone in my life as the church has, he would gather a switch and build my faith. (laughs) Do some of us need a trip to the spiritual woodshed? To allow God to let us know that our excuses is not sufficient. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The mission statement of Joshua Baptist Church has not changed, not one iota, in 30 years. We started it as a soul winning evangelistic, Bible-preaching, gospel-preaching church 30 years ago. And she remains the same today. But occasionally we need some reminding of what God really wants us to do. Because we have a good forgetter, do we not? I said, do we not? And in this world, it is very difficult to get sidetracked doing good things while leaving the main thing undone. Would you agree with that? And so I believe as the pastor or one of the pastors of this church, I don't really know what senior pastor means unless it's just older. It don't mean anything else. Because he's always given me orders. And, and there was a time when I didn't have to take them. But that time is uh, slipping swiftly by. Because I whoopeth him not any longer. Do we have a purpose? Do we know what that purpose is. 
Is it easy to shift that purpose to a side and begin busy doing other things of less significance? I would ask you today, what would be a good mission statement of one sentence or less that could be described in 30 seconds or less for the Joshua Baptist Church. May I suggest to you one might be missions is our mission. I thought that was real good. (laughs) Kind of went over like a flat pancake. Maybe another one is going with the gospel. Maybe another one would be uh, worldwide evangelism. But whatever it is, we need to make sure that our mission statement not only is concise, memorable, but also biblical. Without the Bible, we have no marching orders. Without the Bible, no rule book. Without the Bible, no church constitution. Without the Bible, no reason to exist. So it must be biblical. If you have your Bible today, I'd like to ask you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew, chapter 28. And we read there in your Bible, our Lord's great commission. And our Lord has risen from the dead. He's now speaking to every church member in existence. And he's now telling them and commissioning them and encouraging them because he's about to leave. He's about to take a ride on the glory cloud. He's about to ascend into heaven. And from there, he's going to watch very diligently and matriculally all that the church is doing. And before he sends back to heaven after the resurrection, he says, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Authority, some say. In your Bible, the Greek word for power is translated in two different words. The word power can be translated in authority. The word dunamis, dunamis. And it can be, it can be uh, translated as delegated authority. He says here, all authority, all power in heaven and earth is given to me. Now, I'm going to give it to you. Now, you must know to whom he's speaking. He's not speaking to individuals. He's speaking to the church. All authority. All delegated authority in heaven and earth is given to me, he said. Now, church, I'm giving it to you. Now you have the authority from heaven. All authority in heaven and earth. You have it. I'm giving it to you. And that authority is for you to go into all the world and teach all nations. And baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And notice in your verses, and lo, I'll be with you, how long? Till the end of the world. The only institution in the world that has heaven's authority to preach baptize and teach the word of God is the local New Testament church. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he uses another word 
for power. Not delegated authority. Notice if you would please in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Please turn there if you would please. We're trying to find a mission statement that's suitable for your church. Now notice if you would please. And the Bible says, But ye shall receive, what's the next word? Power. That's not delegated authority. That's the Greek word we get our word dynamite from. I'm giving you the dynamite of God. All power in heaven and earth. I know you're going to be weak and I know you're going to be frail and I know you're going to be afraid when you confront sinners and I know there'll be persecution and I know there'll be turmoil and I know, I know, but I am giving you something that no one else has. That's the power of God. The power that shakes when the thunder roars. The power that roars when the uh, tsunami rolls the waves across and destroys. The power that shakes the earth. The power that holds heaven and earth into place. The power of God. I'm giving it to you, church. And you shall be witnesses. Power. Courage. Dunamis. Dynamite. What am I to do with this dynamite? I'm to be a witness. In Jerusalem, what's this? And Judea, what's this? And Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. All at the same time. You got that? John 20, verse 21, I think. It'd be in the book anyhow. (laughs) John 20 and verse 21. I want you to think about just a minute. You remember when Jesus was walking down the highway... And a little short fella by the name of Zacchaeus. You remember that guy? And he was too short to look over the crowd. But Jesus was coming to town. And he wanted to get a bird's eye view of our Lord. You remember what he did to be able to see the Lord? He climbed up into a sycamore tree. You remember that? And he was seeing Jesus as he came by. And when Jesus saw him, he said, Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. I'm going to go home with you. And in Luke 19, 10, he says this, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, you do know, on another occasion in the book of Matthew, Jesus took a little bitty baby in his arms and he looked at that little bitty baby and told the disciples, now be careful, for the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. Do you see the difference? To the tax collector, the crook, the sinner, the evil guy in the tree, Jesus came to seek and to save. To the child and his innocence before he comes to the age of accountability, Jesus said the Son of Man has come to save, not seek, save that which is lost. Until you and I come to the realization that we're sinners by nature and hell is our destination for sure 
But in a child's innocence, Jesus said he came to save them, not seek them. For by grace are you saved. That little child that dies prematurely automatically is ushered into heaven. You say, how do you know that? I read my Bible. But for that one who knows that cheating on a test down at the schoolhouse is wrong. Well, I don't know why it's so wrong. I just did it once. My friend does it every, every test. Oh, that makes you almost as good as Jesus because you've only done it once. But you're not near as bad as your friend because they're evil. They do it all the time. Amen? That's how we reason this out. Well, after all, I'm not as bad as Hitler, but you're worse than somebody else. Now watch this. I think Jesus said, as the Father, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. Did I ask you to turn to John 20? Uh, Did I tell you that there's a verse in John 20 that might help us with our mission statement? Then Jesus said unto them in verse 21, As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Maybe a good mission statement would be missions is our mission. The only reason we are to exist is to make sure that our neighbor, our fellow Texan, our fellow American, and our fellow human being might get a chance to hear the good news of Jesus Christ before they die. Missions is our mission. Evangelizing the entire world is our mission. You say, well, preacher, that is not very very excited. I know that, but it's the truth. Uh, It's the truth. Have you mentioned to anybody lately that there's a place called hell? Well, I, I don't believe that. You know how long it'll take you to believe that after you die? Do you want your mother, father, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, your employer, you want them to go to hell? What's your mission statement? Why should I busy myself? Why should our church busy ourselves with such a, such a crazy task of sending people and trying to get the gospel To all the world. Most folks have quit sending buses now because it costs too much and the liability is so great and the drivers are so hard to get. And and by the way, you know, we've got little important things to do on Sunday like little league softball and, and big league mumble peg. You know all them things that's really going to mean something in the great by and by. You know all the things that's keeping us so busy, we can't fulfill our mission statement. You know all the things that is just going to last forever, like yesterday's golf game. Today's lunch engagement. We don't do anything now that would shake us out of our mission statement. Is anybody here now? 
I got a funeral tomorrow. Practice and be real quiet. That way I can be dignified, would you? Why in the world, with all we got going, should we busy ourselves with evangelization, evangelization of the world? Of taking the gospel to the darkest part of Africa, like a missionary that rode my church buses 45 years ago who now has been in Brazil for 40-some years preaching the gospel, starting churches, getting kids, teenagers, and men and women saved, who now has been diagnosed as having cancer, whose heart is not in America, but in Brazil. If you'd go to England today, you'd find there in the Westminster a grave whose name on the tombstone, David Livingston. Everything's in that grave. His body's in that grave, but his heart's not. When he died on his knees praying in the darkest part of Africa, and they found him kneeling there in prayer. There was a request, bury my body in England, but bury my heart in Africa. Where's your heart? Are you a child of God? Where is our heart? Why should we busy ourselves with having missions conference, having missionaries, reminding us of our mission statement. Why should we do that? Why? Number one, are you ready? Christ commands it. Now, when Ginger says to me, go to the store, I say, yes, ma'am. I say, may I take your car and save my gas? No. (laughs) And be careful. Don't run over my cat when you leave. (laughs) Why should you and I, as the church of Jesus Christ, washed in his precious blood, who gave his life for us that we might live forever, who abides in our heart in the person of the Holy Spirit, and he walks with me, talks with me along life's weary way. And when I feel like crying, he's the only one that feels like listening. And when I feel like absolutely giving up, he's the only one that stands there and say, go on. When everybody else is down, he's up. Why should I, why should I attempt in my own life be involved in world evangelization? Why should I care about the blacks in Africa? Why should I worry about the Orientals? And why should we worry about Brazil? Number one, because Christ commands it. Obedience to the word of God demands it. It's an imperative command. It's mandatory and not optional. Would to God that I had an option. But I cannot be obedient and disobedient at the same time. It is mandatory. It is not optional. It is fundamental and not secondary. It's not serving God and getting them the gospel to the lost. It's not something that I have to do in my own time. It is not optional. It is mandatory. Christ said, just do it. My daddy used to give me that hoe. Anybody know what a hoe is? And he used to put that in my hand early in the morning. And said, son, do you see that cornfield or that tobacco patch? I said, yes, daddy, I do. 
He said, now I want you to take that hoe and I want you to beat the devil out of them weeds all day long. I said, Daddy, it's going to be hot about noon. I think it would be a better idea if you let me go to the lake and do a little skinny dipping. He looked at me and he said, Son, this is not optional. You know what's wrong with America? Everything's optional. There's no positives. There's no necessity. Well, Daddy, don't you think it's optional? No, no. It's not optional. It's mandatory. It's fundamental. It's not secondary. It's essential. It's not superfluous. If people do not hear the gospel and respond positively by faith, where do they spend eternity? Why are you saved? Why did you bother if there was no alternative? Is it because you just thought one day heaven would be a nice trip? Have you ever thought about the alternative to spending eternity with God? This command is essential, not superfluous. It's providential, it's not human. Ladies and gentlemen, I declare to you today that the most binding command in all the world for you and I is the one given by the Lord Jesus, the captain of the Lord's host, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of kings and the Lord of lords said, you and I are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is not your choice, that is his command. I am so tired of politics, I'll tell you. You ought to see some of the programs me and my wife are watching as alternatives. <laughs> Dear God, I tell you, it's embarrassing to watch some of the things we have to watch anymore. But I, 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 I'm a patriot. I love this country. And you say, are you a Democrat or a Republican? I'm a nothing that believes the Bible. Amen. And I vote. Scripture, not politics. But I, I, I kind of like a fellow by the name of Colonel Oliver North. When he appeared before the Senate Investigating Committee, he was asked where his orders came from to carry out the Contra mission. And he replied to the Senate Committee, I received my orders from the Commander-in-Chief, the President of the United States. One senator said, Don't you think that you should have consulted with Congress first? Oliver North sat up in his chair and straightened his uniform and said, Sir, I'm a trained Marine. And when the commander in chief gives a command, I carry it out without any hesitation. And when the president, the commander in chief, gives a command, there is no greater authority in the United States and on this earth than his. I've got a commander that commanded you and I with more authority than Mr. Trump, Mr. Obama, or any of the Bushes. And he has commanded 
without any reservation that you and you and you and you and me be involved in preaching the gospel to every creature on this earth. Why do we have missions conferences? So you can get mad at me for preaching like this? No. So you can realize how much you love me when I preach like this? No. That we all might be reminded of our Savior's great commission. Why should we be involved in worldwide missions? Number two, the condition of humanity necessitates it. The condition of humanity necessitates it. If people don't hear the gospel and they don't get saved, they die. You understand that? They die. You understand that? And after that, the judgment. Does anybody believe that? Why do we bother? Because the Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you doubt that sin is a nature thing? How many easy lessons do you think I had to give Andrew to tell a lie? We, we taught him good. I stood over him with a club several days and said, son, you must learn how to tell a lie. I asked him, did you do that? No. Mandy did that. I went running out of the backyard one day and Andrew was crying. I said, what happened? He said, Mandy, run over me with a four-wheeler. I said, did she try? No. She did try. Are my kids the only ones that I had to teach to be liars? Did yours ever at night when they're just about this small and smelt like that. Start yelling and screaming in her bedroom like there's 25 boogers in there trying to eat her all at one time. Hmm? Did, did, did. You walk in, pick them up, and they go, eh, eh, eh. What do you think maybe they were doing? Lying, Maybe. Trying to get their own way, maybe? You ever seen two or three kids sitting on the floor? All of them down to church. And they have them saying, them are my toys. No, they're not their toys. They belong to the Lord. But if they ever touched them, they ever seen them, they're theirs. You ever seen that? How much time do you parents spend teaching those little brats how to be brats? Kind of just happens, don't it? Now, if you don't think they're brats at three or four, where do they get 15? But if they really have been taught how to be sinners by then, can you say amen? Hmm? They start running things about then, don't they? Did you know, the Bible says, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. You got that? One man, sin entered into the world. His name was Adam. 
he disobeyed God. You say, no, Eve ate. No, Adam was representative of the human race. It does not say, for by one woman sin entered the world. By one man sin entered the world. And so death by sin. Now, it's one of these days they're going to say you died with a heart attack, you died with this, you died with that. But let me tell you what you're going to die. You're going to die with sin. Sin kills you. It's going to kill you, sure, the world. And why sin has passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Death passed upon. Oh, everybody is going to die because of sin. Now, you can either answer to God for yourself for your sins, or you can let Jesus answer for you. For God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, you remember what happened? Christ died for us. He died our death. Christ suffered all of our hell. He paid the price. And now, it's up to us. We can accept his death and us live. Or we can die ourselves and wake up in the pits of the dam. And everybody that's ever been born is born a sinner, separated from God. And if they don't hear the good news of Jesus Christ and accept Christ and come back into a right relationship with God, then hell is certainly their destiny. And Jesus has left you and I in charge totally with that good news. What are you doing with it? If you had a cure for cancer, would you share it with your neighbor? I got the cure for the second death. That's faith in Christ. We just need to be reminded, do we not? That this is not a social club where we can get together and sing our songs and say our hallelujahs and let everybody in the world go to hell. That'd be the biggest sin of all sins. So we have a missions conference to remind us of our mission statement. To kind of shake us up occasionally. To make us realize that our commander has told us to go and do what? Preach the gospel to whom? Every creature. And all of God's people said. Oh, every, all of you didn't, but I'm a pretty good, pretty good deal. <laughs> the command of Christ. I believe it with all my heart. The condition of humanity. I'd like to close. You said, I'd like for you to. Because Christ commands it. Because of our condition necessitates it. I, I, I wish I could explain to you how that one day I was on my way to hell. And the very next day, I was on my way to heaven. I wish I could explain it to you. What a difference it makes. If any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Lastly, good news. Why should we have missions? Why should we preach the gospel? Because the good news demands it. I want to read you just, uh, you don't have to turn there. I'm reading out of Romans chapter number 10. The good news. I never shall forget 50 years ago when I heard these verses. There's no telling how many folks over these past 50 years I've been privileged to quote these verses to. Many of you here, I said in your living room or in a restaurant and read these words to you. 
To a sinner that's on his way to hell, realizing he's on his way to hell, this is good news. To the alcoholic who's gone beyond his own capabilities. And now it's not a matter of his choice. It's a matter of his body screaming and yelling and reaching and crying for just another drink. For the addict, regardless of what it might be, whose body now is controlled completely by an outward substance, not by his own rationale, not by his own thinking, but now he's controlled by something outwardly. May I say to you that the gospel is the power of God, the dynamite of God. It'll blow hell out of you and heaven right in you. It'll blow drugs out and Jesus in. Can you say amen? You don't need AAA when you got the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God Almighty. And the Bible says the good news demands that we send missionaries. Verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, it's Romans 10, verse 9, thou shalt be saved. Sitting on my couch 50 years ago, 26-year-old outlaw, a sorry daddy, and a sorrier husband, rotten to the core, when I heard that I could be saved, it wasn't a lost cause. It says, if I believe in my heart, Confess with my mouth that I could be saved. Don't mean you are saved. It says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, God bless a godly mama and a godly grandmother who dragged me back and forth to Sunday school when I didn't want to go. And I sat there in those old Sunday school houses in Tennessee and listened to those godly teachers tell me about Jesus and tell me about the resurrection and tell me about Easter and tell me about this. It made a lasting impression in this old boy's heart and deep down in my heart, although I was a hell-raising, fighting, chicken-running, coon-hunting, no-good, sorry, son-of-a-gun, Deep in my heart still, there was that faith that Jesus had raised from the dead. Making it possible that this old hellbound sinner could be saved. Is there anybody here today glad for a mama, glad for a daddy, or glad for somebody that instilled in your heart that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Son of the Almighty God? Oh, yes. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. About 18 inches between your heart and head. And that distance sent more people to hell than any distance in the world. You don't believe with your head. You believe with your heart. Your heart, preachers, that's the pump. No, that's everything that's within you. That's what makes you laugh. That's what makes you cry. That's what makes you fear. That's what makes you cheer. That's the part of you, inside of you. That's the whole of you. It's with all of you. You believe unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whoso believeth them shall not be ashamed. Are you ashamed of Jesus? I said, are you ashamed of Jesus? No, sir, we ought to be able to stand on the highest building and shout with our voice as loud as we could, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Hallelujah, praise God. Jesus saves. 
Hell is a pass by word for me. Hell is a figment of somebody's imagination. I'm not going there. I'm saved. Thank God I'm saved. For with the mouth, confession. For whosoever. What is it? What? For whosoever. Whosoever. Are you a whosoever? Do you know a whosoever? Huh? Wouldn't be nice if I could just walk up to you and then say, do you know, I think I'll just give you a mansion. I think I'll just build it on Hallelujah Boulevard. And I think I'll just surround it with the trees of life. And I think I'll just run a nice stream right down the middle of the road. Uh, and I think maybe I'll put, make your sidewalks out of solid gold. That'd be all right with you. And we'll build a wall. Out of pure jasper. And we'll hang gates of pearl. How would you like to see the oyster those pearl came out of? Is that good news? I said, is that good news? Does everybody deserve to hear it? Or are you just going to sit on it? Does everybody else deserve to hear it? Does the elderly senior saint deserve to hear it? Does the little kids that climb on our buses on Sunday morning deserve to hear it? Do the folks in the darkest part of Africa deserve to hear it? Do the folks in Brazil deserve to hear it? Do those who are not able to hear deserve to see it signed and presented to them? I ask you, does the good news necessitate missionaries? And missions. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. A pastor, I'll not mention his name, he made this statement I don't perceive my call as one to protest the culture, but to proclaim Christ. A sign on a pastor's desk I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save everybody. Is that okay? Good news must be shared. So maybe our mission statement could be, in closing, the barriers of good news. You got any good news you'd like to share with somebody next door? You say, preacher, I can't go to Africa. No, but you got money in your pocket that you could help somebody whom God has called to go to Africa. To bear the good news to Africans and to Cubans and to the Orient. And that's what missions is all about.